Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are looking at a group of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. The King James Version calls them a song of degrees. If you remember, Jerusalem is up on a hill. So when the Bible says they went up to Jerusalem, they literally went upward, not north. Also, if you remember, wherever the Ark of God was located, the Jews were to go there for sacrifice. They were to bring offerings in order to worship the Lord. So these songs were sung on the journey up to Jerusalem and especially to the temple for worship. As I've said before, Book 5, according to W. Robert Godfrey, is called The King's Celebration of God's Salvation. Interestingly, the psalms of this book are also mainly upbeat, yet each book does still have laments and sorrow hymns as well as imprecatory and God get em hymns. The Psalms found in Book 1 were written either by David or anonymous. Book 2 were mostly by David, 18 of them, one by Asaph, seven by the sons of Korah, and one by Solomon. In Book 3, only one of the Psalms is written by David. Eleven were by Asaph, four by the sons of Korah, and one by Hermon, and one by Ethan, the Ezraites. Book four is mainly anonymous, with two of the Psalms by David, and one by Moses. But now we're heading back where book five, King David now has 15 Psalms, and King Solomon has one, and then the rest are anonymous. My Psalms professor, Dr. J. Stephen Yule, also wrote a book called Longing for Home, A Journey Through the Psalms of Ascent, so I will be referencing him and his book quite a bit. I know I've said this before, but one of the things that is so difficult for me is what I need to leave out. For instance, Dr. Yule's book is 154 pages long, and it's filled with great stuff. But how do I only teach a 20 to 25 minute lesson on these 17 Psalms? So please pray for me. Since these Psalms were sung on the journey to Jerusalem, Dr. Yule starts his book with four traveling tips for our journey through these Psalms. On page 10, we see travel tip number one, stay focused on the gospel. One thing that we see clearly throughout these Psalms is that we are all sinners and we need a Savior. Travel tip number two on page 12. Stay focused on the kingdom. The eternal kingdom is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Travel tip number three. Stay focused on the glory. Or in other words, stay focused on the end of the journey. That's found in page 14. For there is a destination for those who believe in the Lord. And then travel tip number four is found on page 16. Stay focused on the mystery. God is above all, without limits, unrestrained. He's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere and in every era. 
He's omniscient, means he knows everything, past, present, and future. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. And this truth is clearly seen in the writers of the Psalms. Dr. Yule says he wrote his book with the approach to help believers focus on our journey home. Psalm 120 starts with the psalmist being in trouble because of people, ugh, and he cries out to the Lord. And the two places mentioned in verse 5 are Meshach, a pagan nation to the north, and Kedar, a pagan nation to the southeast. Both of these nations were known for being barbaric and warlike. That's why he cries out, They hate peace, and I'm for peace. But when I speak, which is probably why they were harassing him, they are for war. With Psalm 121, the psalmist starts, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Let me ask, where are your eyes focused on? Then he asks, where will my help come from? And then he answers, my help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. We have seen this theme of God as creator of the heavens and earth of all things. And why does this matter? Because if he's the creator, he is also the sustainer. And if he could do that, then we have a powerful God who is able to be our savior. The psalmist continues in praise of the Lord, our keeper, our shade, our protector, our keeper. And then verse 8 says, the Lord will guard. So he then is also our guardian. He will guard our going out and our coming in from this time forth and forever. Psalm 122 is a celebration psalm of David. It starts, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, which is in the city of Jerusalem. And it is here that the tribes go up, the 12 tribes of Israel. And here he calls them the tribes of the Lord. And they bring sacrifices and give thanks to the name of the Lord. David cries out, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for her prosperity. As a king of Israel, his last verse, verse 9 says, For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. If you remember the history of Israel, as the king believed, so the people followed. For the king, his faith truly affected his kingdom and his people's lives. The same can be said for us women of faith, maybe not to the degree of affecting a whole kingdom, but we all have a sphere of influence. When we walk in obedience to the Lord's ways, we are a blessing to those around us. Psalm 123, the psalmist again lifts up his eyes, this time not to the hills, not to his earthly destination, but this time to the one enthroned in the heavens. The heavenly kingdom with a heavenly king, the Lord Jesus, a descendant of David. And David keeps looking until God is gracious to us. We then hear his cry to the Lord for grace. Again, the God of the Old Testament is also a God of grace.
Psalm 124 of David declares that it is because the Lord was on his side that they overcame. Ladies, if you are a Christian, the Lord is on your side. He is for you. Just like David escaped the enemy as from a trap, so God can rescue you. Their help and ours is found in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Ladies, take a moment out of your crazy day and look up. If it's during the day, marvel at the sun that comes up and goes down and the clouds that float by and the wind that blows. If it's at night, look up at the stars and the moon and how they were created to guide us at night. One thing Dr. Yule said is, quote, God will either remove us from trouble or he will support us in trouble, unquote. One thing I have noticed is the more I read his word, and especially the Psalms, I feel the Lord's support more in my life. In Psalm 125, the one who trusts in the Lord cannot be moved, abides forever, and is surrounded or protected by the Lord. Verse 3 reminds us that the scepter of the wicked, meaning the wicked king, would lead his people into wickedness, but the psalmist cries for righteousness and then for peace upon Israel. This psalm reminds me of the importance of praying for our city, state, and country officials. We need to pray that they seek the Lord, they place their trust in him, and that God would lead them in righteousness. The next psalm may also be a celebration psalm. Verse 1, I find myself pondering. It says, When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we were like those who dream. Now this psalm was probably written after the exiles from Babylon and Persia began to come back to Jerusalem, and they began to dream again. I think the reason that this verse has struck a chord with me is that now that I'm over 50, I've had stages where I've stopped dreaming because life was so overwhelming and I could barely breathe and the goal was just to get through the day. But now in this stage of life, semi-retired, kids grown and out of the house, no need right now to be a caregiver, I've just finished one of my dreams, and that was finishing my Master's of Divinity. And it only took me 32 years, ladies. Woohoo! But I find that I'm dreaming again. And at this age, I'm less fearful of failure, so I'm hopeful. And it is beautiful. So I can relate to what the psalmist says about being like people who dream. And not only did they dream, but they laughed and they shouted with joy. And the nations noticed this and they said, the Lord has done great things for them. And then the Israelites proclaimed, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. We also see in verse four that the restoration is not complete yet. And the psalmist declares that those who went out carried just a bag of seed, but will come back bringing in the sheaves, like that good old hymn, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the sheaves, 
We will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. The psalmist has hope for the future ones who are coming back with blessing because he's seen what God has done in the past and he trusts the Lord for the future. Someday the restoration will be complete. So ladies, are you dreaming today? Psalm 127 is a psalm of Solomon, and since he built the temple, it seems likely that he wrote this psalm, and he declares with the building process that only if the Lord builds it will it stand, verses 1 and 2. He then switches from house to children and talks of them as a blessing from the Lord. I am wondering, since Solomon is king of Israel, if he is also referencing the kingdom as he talks of his kids, especially in light of the promise of God about there being a descendant of David on the throne forever. Unless the Lord builds the kingdom, they labor in vain as well. And only with the Lord are we blessed. And then that blessing continues into Psalm 128. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Verse 1. Verse 2, he is blessed in his work. Verse 3, he's blessed in his home. Verse 4, behold, the man shall be blessed who fears the Lord. Verse 5, the Lord shall bless his town. The Lord shall bless his home all of his days and he'll see his children's children, and he will see peace upon Israel, his nation. Psalm 129 is an imprecatory psalm asking punishment on the enemy of Israel. It starts, many times has Israel been persecuted, yet they are still standing because of the Lord and his righteousness. May God bring judgment, not blessing to them. One point that Dr. Yule says with regards to imprecatory psalms like Psalm 129, God's forgiveness is conditional, not unconditional. Until this is understood, the imprecatory psalms remain a mental roadblock. I've said before, the only thing I have found in scripture that is unconditional is his love for us. He loves us even yet while we are still sinners. But his forgiveness is conditional. We must come to him and believe and confess our sins and ask him to come into our lives. Then in Psalm 130, the psalmist looks inward to his sin. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Hear my voice. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities... O Lord, who can stand? No one. Again, the New Testament says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And in his word, there is hope. He waits for the Lord. He watches for the Lord. Then the psalmist cries out to his people, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For in him is loving kindness, said, and abundant redemption. And the Lord will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. 
In the New Testament, Paul the Apostle writes in Colossians 2, verses 13 and 14, When you were dead in your transgressions, or our sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, the Lord, made you alive together with him, Jesus Christ, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Ladies, all, it means all. He has forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he, Jesus, has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. It is ultimately through Jesus Christ that we can be redeemed. Another thing that Dr. Yule points out is that the psalmist says three times that he's waiting for the Lord. And Dr. Yule says, we dare not miss this. As far as the psalmist is concerned, God's mercy and forgiveness are merely a means to an end. And that end is God. That's found on page 115. And then Dr. Yule said on page 118, Redemption is God's greatest work. It far outshines his works of creation and providence. It's his masterpiece revealing his manifold perfections that gives him the greatest delight and the greatest glory. And ladies, he did the redemption because of his love for us. The Lord God Almighty loves you. Psalm 131 is a continuation of hope in the Lord. David has quieted his soul and he rests in the hope of the Lord. And then he cries out to his people Israel to also hope in the Lord. Dr. Yule says, simply put, to hope is to wait confidently and expectantly for what God has promised, page 121 of his book. Paul, the apostle in the New Testament, says in Romans 15, verse 4, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, meaning the Old Testament, we might have hope. King David hoped in the Lord. And when we see that, when we read about that, we find that we too can have hope in the Lord. Then Psalm 132 starts by remember. Again, by remembering how God has moved helps give us hope in the future of what he will do. With this Psalm, verses 1 through 5, the psalmist asks the Lord to remember. Remember David's desire to build a place for you. In verse 6, Ephrathath is Bethlehem and the area around it, and Jair is Kiriath-Jerim. This was where the ark had rested before it came to Jerusalem. So then in verses 6 through 9, the psalmist talks of bringing the ark to his resting place. And the priests are dressed in righteousness and God's people sing for joy. Verses 10 through 12 remind the singers of God's covenant with David and with his seed and that he will sit on an eternal throne. 
The Apostle Peter uses this verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 30, with his sermon showing that Jesus is the seed of David, that eternal king. Then in verses 13 through 18 of the psalm, the psalmist declares that the Lord has chosen Zion, Jerusalem, for his habitation, and the horn of David will spring forth, and his crown will shine. In the gospel, the Lord Jesus' crown was a crown of thorns, and he bore that in Jerusalem, and he bore that because he took our sins upon himself so that we can experience the righteousness of God. But in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, we see Jesus coming on a white horse, and he is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and he wages war. And his eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems, many crowns. And why many? Because he is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And Jesus is his name. Psalm 133 of David starts, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil, and it's like dew from the morning. Dr. Yule says, As we make the long and difficult journey home, God uses Christian fellowship to comfort the discouraged, recover the wayward, challenge the careless, encourage the sorrowful, orient the confused, and revive the exhausted. In other words, God uses Christian fellowship to impart grace to the travel-weary soul. End of quote. In other words, Christian, we need each other. And then with the last psalm of ascent, all of the servants of the Lord are to behold and to bless the Lord. One way we do that is by lifting up our hands to the sanctuary. I have heard raising of hands explained like a little child going to her father, and she lifts up her hands to him so that he will pick her up. Our bodies reflect our worship as well. And if you've never raised your hands before in public worship, then first try it at home in your private worship. And then at first I started in public worship just turning my palms up in front of me and occasionally lift them up higher and higher and higher until occasionally they will go over my head. I also see this as a way of giving to the Lord my concerns. And as I give it to my daddy, my Abba Father, he takes it and he takes care of it for me. And then as we bless the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth, the Lord blesses us. Dr. Yule concludes his book, when we bless this God, we travel well and we end well, no matter what we encounter on our way home. That's found in page 149 of his book. So ladies, if you hear God's voice today, don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be women who raise our hands to the Lord, who dream, who are a blessing, who pray, who praise, 
and especially obey the Lord. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.